Our reading is Psalm 97, verses 1 to 12. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. All who worship images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols, worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices. And the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is shed upon the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. In our morning services at the moment, we're looking at the eight marks of a healthy church as described by Christian Sports. And for some reason, prayerfulness isn't one of the eight. So alongside the morning series, we're running another series on praying the Psalms, looking at eight different Psalms to deepen our understanding of what prayer is, how it works. And Psalm 97 is a prayer of praise. And I think it's good to remember that there's a lot more to prayer than simply presenting a shopping list of requests to God. Start with worship. That focuses our attention on the God to whom we're praying. And that's really important if you're going to place your troubles and the troubles of the world in the hands of Almighty God and entrust them to his sovereign care. Without that, we just tend to have the same old thoughts and anxieties going round and round in our minds. But the thing about Psalm 97 is you don't find any petitions or requests in it. The psalm just celebrates God's sovereignty, but it does so in such a way that it registers the earth-shattering impact of God's reign on the present world order. So the psalm opens with a bold declaration, the Lord reigns. And if that's the case, then let the earth rejoice and let the many coastlands be glad. There is universal acclamation of God's rule. Everyone everywhere is celebrating because the Lord is king. And maybe it's not just the people in every land on every shore who are delighted that God is in charge. Perhaps this is the whole created order joining together to proclaim the Lord reigns. Let's party because that is fantastic news. But those of us who keep our feet firmly on the ground might want to say, hang on for a bit. Let's not be carried away on a premature wave of euphoria. Yes, we want to declare that the Lord reigns and God is in charge. But when we look at the news, 
and in our mind's eye we circumnavigate the globe, what cause is there for celebration? The threat of war between the United States and Iran. Ongoing untold suffering in Yemen. The unspeakable tragedy of South Sudan, the world's newest country, where millions are threatened by famine in the aftermath of the country's civil war. There is the shooting on Friday in Virginia Beach. Chaos in our own government and uncertainty about the future. Climate change. The erosion of the world's topsoil, the way we slash and burn our forests, pollute the ocean and burn fossil fuels as if there's no tomorrow. Playing Russian roulette with the future of the planet. And as always, it's the world's poorest and most vulnerable who experience the worst effects of the upheavals our planet is undergoing. Geologists are talking about a new era. The end of the Holocene era, which has lasted 12,000 years, a period of stable climate. We're now entering the Anthropocene age. Uh, Started in 1950, a new geological era marked by plastic pollution. Levels of radioactivity following nuclear tests. Soot from power stations. Concrete. Innumerable chicken bones, which have been bred on an unprecedented scale for human consumption. Marked also by rising ocean levels. Deforestation. The mass extinction of species. We live in an age of change where it's hard to see sometimes that the Lord reigns. And while we will still be moved by the splendour of a sunset or the beauty of a flower or the wonder of a majestic landscape and will say, isn't the God who made all this amazing? We can become increasingly aware that in many parts of our world, creation is not singing in praise to its creator, it's screaming with pain. And so we read the first line of the psalm again and ponder, the Lord reigns, let the earth be glad and the many coastlands rejoice. And we think, if only. Thank you for putting that up. I'd forgotten I had a PowerPoint for it. And if that's how you feel, then the opening line of the psalm is one that drives you to prayer. Asking God to bring us to the point where it's true where the earth does rejoice and the many coastlands are glad because the Lord reigns. But when you look at the second part of the psalm, verses 2 to 6, we see the Lord's reign is compared to the violence of an earth-shattering storm. The reign of God is not pictured as a scene of serene tranquility. The reign of God hits the world like a storm. The imagery is compelling. God is surrounded by clouds and darkness As the flashes of his lightning illuminate the world, the earth sees and trembles because the lightning is accompanied by ground-shaking claps of thunder. And it's as if the very mountains, traditional images of stability and permanence, are melting like wax before the Lord of all the earth. What's going on here? The clouds and thick darkness surrounding the Lord may obscure our vision of him, but his throne... His throne is founded on righteousness and justice. 
and the clash of thunder is caused by the collision between his righteousness and our wickedness, between his justice and all the injustice in the world. This is a picture of the reign of God coming like a storm to overturn the present world order, and his lightning strikes are targeted to burn up his enemies. It's an extreme weather event, but it's one which has been orchestrated by the Lord of all the earth. The storm in the heavens proclaims his righteousness, and everyone on earth sees his glory. And it's, this is the way in which the Lord reveals himself as the one and only God, the one who is most high over all the earth, the one who is exalted above all the other so-called gods. Every idol will be exposed as worthless, and all those who make a living out of manufacturing objects for people to worship will be put to shame. And if there are any, any other gods in existence, then they will bow down and prostrate themselves in worship before the Lord because the Lord is the only true God. And that news brings delight to God's people. God's judgments gladden the heart of Zion and the daughters of Judah rejoice. Rejoicing. At the start of the psalm, the whole earth rejoices. But in verse 8, it's just the daughters of Judah. At the start of the psalm, all the coastlands are glad, but in verse 8, it's just Zion who is glad when she hears that every other god has been subjugated under God's supreme authority. What's going on? Well, we started by reflecting on how hard it is to see the whole earth and all the coastlands rejoicing in the Lord as things stand at the present moment. There is simply too much that is drastically wrong with the world. But even if the whole world order is not rejoicing in its creator now, the psalm affirms that when the God comes to judge the earth, bringing his righteousness and justice like a storm, then the earth will rejoice in its creator. Here and now, in the present, those of us who know the Lord, those of us who celebrate his sovereignty, when we hear of that day, our response is to be glad and rejoice. And when we praise and worship the Lord who is most high over all the earth, who is exalted far above all gods, then our joy and our gladness as his people anticipate the universal joy and gladness which will break out and prevail when God's kingdom is finally established in all its fullness. When we declare that the Lord reigns, we lead the way. And we anticipate the day when everybody recognises that and every knee shall bow. He reigns over us here and now as his people and the knowledge that that is the case brings joy and gladness to our hearts here and now. But we know that the day will come when God's rule will be universally apparent and the joy and gladness we feel now because we know God's reign in our lives now will one day be shared by the whole of creation. We are pioneers of praise when we proclaim that the Lord is the true ruler of the universe. And the gods at whose altars we currently sacrifice so much, the gods of materialism, the gods of pleasure, the gods of pride, the gods of self, those gods will be reduced to nothing and the Lord will be all in all. 
here and now, we are declaring that the Lord reigns in a broken world. But we do so in the confident expectation that God will ultimately come out on top. And there is an element of conscious defiance in declaring that God is king in a world which does not recognise his authority and which rebels against it. There is a sense in which praising God as king is a bit like Churchill's famous V for victory sign in the Second World War. Churchill made the sign famous, but the germ of the idea appears to have originated in 1941 with the BBC's European Intelligence Director, Jonathan Griffin, who developed the idea that V was the first letter of the word victory in English and in French and in Flemish, not in German, And in Morse code, the the sound for V is da-da-da-da, which, of course, are the opening notes of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. And it carried connotations of the English triumphant Agincourt, where the direction of fingers was reversed as the triumphant English gesticulated at their beaten enemies who had threatened to cut off the fore and middle fingers of the English longbowmen. But it was the English longbow which won the battle. In 1941... Defeat was staring this country in the face. To declare V was for victory was a gesture of defiance and refusing to give in. At the stage we look round and we say, where is the reign of God? To declare that the Lord reigns is a gesture of defiance. To say the day will come when God's kingdom will prevail. And when we brazenly worship God and declare that he is Lord in a secular culture which disowns him, we are making a statement to say, it doesn't matter what you think, the Lord is King. And we make that the basis for our lives. And there's a cost to making that declaration. Loving the Lord means shunning, even hating evil. There are tough choices to be made that involve swimming against the prevailing tide and sticking out like a sore thumb when we do so. At the moment, as it looks and so often feels as if the wicked have the upper hand, we have to pray that the Lord will preserve the lives of his saints and deliver them from the power of the wicked. Verse 10 says... Light is shed for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. That's how the NIV puts it. The English Standard Version says light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. There's a bit of mixing of metaphors there. You don't sow light, you shed light, and that's why the NIV goes for shedding light. But there's something in that phrase about light being sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart, because the point about sowing is that there's a long time between sowing the seed and planting the harvest. So light has been sown for the righteous, but in the meantime it still looks pretty dark. Until those seeds bear fruit, the righteous live in a world which is still dark. And joy has been sown for the upright in heart, and one day those seeds will bear fruit, but here and now the upright in heart will know grief and pain because that's part of the cost of being upright in heart in a world which at the moment does not accept the sovereignty of God. So we wait for the growing of those seeds, for the light and joy that we know are coming, 
but which we do not yet see. But here and now, and this is how the psalm ends, here and now, those of us who are right with God, it's our calling to rejoice and give thanks to God's holy name. Why? Because the Lord reigns. Maybe the rest of the world can't see it yet, but we know it here. And the declaration that the Lord reigns challenges everything that's wrong with the world. And when we praise God and proclaim his rule, we are holding up two fingers and declaring against all the odds, God is king. In a dark world, we look forward to a new dawn. And the joy in our hearts defies everything that's wrong with the world and anticipates that day when the whole earth will rejoice and the many coastlands will be glad because God reigns because the Lord is king. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. That's not just a prayer, that's a hope, that's a confident expectation, because the Lord is king.